Would you open your copy of God's Word with me this morning to John chapter 10, John's Gospel and chapter 10, as we continue in this series of studies, I, I noticed this week we've been in John, John's Gospel for just a little over a year now. I don't know how much longer it's going to be, but probably at least another year. <laughs> God's Word is good, and God's Word is precious, and it does us good to camp out for a while in a book, doesn't it? To study God's Word together, be challenged by the truths and strengthened by them, and, and I hope that's your heart's desire this morning as you open God's Word. In John chapter 10, we're going to begin at verse 19, and I want you to follow along as I read verses 19 through 30. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe, because you are not a part of my flock. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. I ask you this morning, as we look at these verses together, and as we, we're going to look, uh, look at them a little closer here for the next few moments together, where do you put your hope when you are opposed for living for Christ and sharing the gospel? Where do you put your hope? Where do you put your hope when you're living for Christ and you're seeking to share the gospel and you're misunderstood or you're misrepresented, where do you put your hope? You ever find yourself discouraged when trying to point a friend or a family member to Christ and they resist? That can be discouraging, can't it? Someone you love dearly and you want them to know Christ as you know Christ and yet they resist when you tell them about Him. I want you to know this morning that you aren't alone. You realize that? You're not alone. In fact, you're in very good company. Jesus himself was resisted. And, and you know what I see here as we read, read these, passage, uh, these verses this morning in this passage? The problem with Jesus was not Jesus. It wasn't Jesus. The problem was with those who opposed him. And we see it in verses 19 to 21 that the people are... What do we see here? They're, they they come and they're divided over Christ. They're still divided over who He is and what these things mean that He has done. In verses 19 to 21, the people are divided once again over Jesus' words. We've seen this before, haven't we? And if you're, if you're familiar with John's Gospel, you know that this is not an uncommon theme. 
We've seen it before in our studies here in John's Gospel, and we're going to see it again. But look at these verses again, 19 through 21. There was again a division among the Jews. Why? Because of these words. Now, Jesus, if you had just come and do nice things, do good things, keep healing people and keep feeding us, keep your words to yourself, we'd like you okay. But it's your words we have trouble with. Verse 20, and these words, you know, were about the sheep and the shepherd. Remember, we've been looking at here in John 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. He says, I am the door. The sheep hear my voice. And they know me and they follow me, right? So these words they're having trouble with. And then in verse 20, many of them said, He has a demon. He's insane. Don't listen to him. He's off his rocker. Right? Why listen to him? And in verse 21, others, they're divided over him. Others said, These are not the words of one who is opposed by a demon. What about the blind man? Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? A man blind from birth? This is not unusual, and we should not be surprised when people oppose the truths of Scripture. It's one of the things I think that we need to learn and grow through as followers of Christ. And I touched on it a little bit as we talked about it in in our Sunday school hour this morning. And and this is an appropriate weekend for us to, to stop as followers of Christ and say, in our culture... We are led to believe, because we are Americans, and many of us are so thankful, if not all of us, thankful for for our troops and those who serve and faithfully give their lives for our freedoms. But in the culture of American society, we have this, this thing fixed in our minds that we have rights. And then as Christians, we come together and we say, but wait, I have rights. Jesus didn't come and say, listen, I'm God in human flesh. I've got rights. Get out of my face, right? And so we need to grow through this and we need to get, get, kind of get over ourselves in a way in that as citizens of heaven, do you hear that? Yes, we reside on earth and, and we happen to be right now in the United States of America, but as citizens of heaven, if you're God's child, you're citizens of another place and you have heavenly reward that awaits you, but you also have heavenly responsibility on earth to live for Christ. And when you are resisted, do you do you take it so personally that you say, well, wait, 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 you can't resist me? <laughs> Why are you resisting me? It's not unusual that we would find ourselves being pushed back against in our society because the truths of Christ, the words of Christ are Let's let's admit it. The words of Christ are offensive to many because Jesus Christ comes and says, I have have come that you may have life because you're sinners and you need life. And you're going to die in your sin if you don't receive eternal life, which is what I came to give. It's not unusual what we see here. and We should not be surprised when people oppose the truths of Scriptures because the truths of Scriptures are often confrontational, right? They confront people where they are in their sin. And people often push back. But even Jesus, God in human flesh, met opposition. 
And as followers of Christ, even with the liberties we enjoy as Americans, as followers of Christ, we need to remember, wait a minute, I'm, I'm first a citizen of heaven, and there may be someone trampling on my constitutional rights, but as a follower of Christ, I need to humble myself before the Lord and speak the truth of Christ and stand up and take persecution when it comes for God's glory. I'm not saying we don't take advantage of the liberties that we enjoy. And, and, and what concerns me often, and I think it ought to concern all of us, is that, that we have many liberties we do not take advantage of. Amen? We don't say amen to that, right? That's an oh me, right? We say oh me when we think about the liberties we have as, as Americans that we don't take advantage of as Christians to tell our neighbors about Christ to make known the goodness of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. We ought not be surprised, though, when we do take advantage of those liberties and tell people about Christ, that all of a sudden we, we find they're pushing back. They don't want to hear about a Savior who died for their sins. And where there is hardened a hardened heart by sin, there will also always be, almost always be, division over the truth. When the truth is given, there will be those who, who are divided over the truth. Well, that's your truth. That's not my truth. I don't need to believe that. You can believe that. That's okay, right? Where there's a hardened heart, a heart hardened by sin, there will be pushback and division over the truth. It will always be so. That's the truth told plainly in Romans 8, 7. This is why people have minds that, that divide over the truth. This is why people oppose those who live and speak the gospel, the good news, Romans 8, 7 says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. The mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. 1 Corinthians 2, 14 says of this, also speaks to this problem, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. You see, the trouble with some blind hearts is that no amount of evidence or, or no number of proofs will convince them of the truth. It wasn't as if Jesus had hidden the truth about himself from these people. Jesus gave them plenty of evidence. Look at verses 22 through 25 again in chapter 10 in John's Gospel here where it says in verse 22, and that at that time the Feast of Dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter. And Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long are you going to keep us in suspense? Like they needed to hear more to be convinced. If you are the Christ, they say, verse 24, If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Look at Jesus' answer in verse 25. I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. Those things tell you about who I am. But you don't want to know the truth. You're not listening. You see, there had been plenty of evidence to who Jesus is. John even says later in John 20, Verses 30 and 31, that Jesus did many other signs which he had not written about in this book, but even the things he does tell us here in, in John's Gospel, they ought, they ought to be enough. Many other things Jesus did that John says, I'm not going to go into them here, but he did many, many other signs. They are, in fact, the things that he writes about here in John's Gospel, the things he writes about are here, in fact, that we may believe 
that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing we might have life in his name. So there's plenty of evidence in John's gospel for us to see Jesus for who he is and believe. These people had even more evidence living in front of them, being lived out by Jesus Christ. And even then they were saying, when are you going to tell us plainly who you are? And Jesus says, look, I've been showing you who I am. See, there's plenty of evidence for people to believe even today. And we're to share the evidence with them. You understand that? As followers of Christ in this world, we're to share the evidence of Jesus Christ with unbelievers and we're to help them see Christ. But we ought not be discouraged by those who oppose us as we seek to make Christ known, since in truth they don't oppose us. What they're opposing is Jesus Christ. And they're opposing his truth. They oppose the message of Christ crucified for their sins. That will always be a topic for division. Think about it. Jesus Christ crucified for my sins? To the follower of Christ, that's wonderful news. To the one who opposes that truth, wait a minute, I don't need anybody dying for my sin, thank you very much. I'll take care of myself. I have liberties, by the way, right? I have freedom. You think you have freedom. You see, those blind to the truth don't want anyone dying for their sins. They, they can care for themselves just fine, they think. Be prepared for it. You may face pushback from family. You may face opposition from friends and co-workers as you seek to live and speak for Christ. Resistance to the gospel may cause you great heartache in life. It's one of the things that we we got to be faithful to warn new believers about. Listen, coming to Christ may not make things easier. It may make things difficult with you and your family. So you need to be strong and depend on the one who, who saves you and rescues you from your sin, that he will encourage you and help you and give you the strength you need to endure. Resistance to the gospel may cause great heartache and make life with those you wish would come to Christ very difficult. But as you face those trials for the cause of Christ, you ought to be encouraged and not lose heart because people whose hearts were darkened by sin resisted Jesus also, Jesus in the flesh. And they'll resist his message when delivered by his messengers even today. You see, Jesus knew it would happen when he spoke the truth and he lived the truth in front of them. He knew it would happen, but what did he do? He came anyway, didn't he? He came to save those who were lost. He came to seek out and save them. And so we look to Christ for strength as we press on. And we remember passages like the one I just read in Romans 8, 7, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. You may get the, the brunt end of some of that hostility, but it's not you they're resisting. They're resisting God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And so we look to Christ for strength as we press on and we keep our hope in the good news of Jesus Christ. That Jesus gave up his life for those who came to save. And we look to Christ and we gain strength from, from our constant hope in him as Charles Spurgeon wrote. It is not a very glory, is it, is it not a very glorious fact that our interest in our God is not destroyed by all our trials and sorrows? We may lose our gourds, but not our God. <laughs> it is interesting, isn't it? As we face 
difficulty, as we face trials, even as we face resistance to the truth of the gospel, as we insist on living it and speaking the truth to others, we may lose our gourds, our earthly things, but we will never lose God. We never lose hope in God. So if you are humbly living for Christ, and if you are living with with a with an attitude of humility as you share Christ, and I think those keys are very important for us in this especially in this society where we have rights and privileges, right? And I enjoy them as you do. But when it comes to sharing the gospel, we need to lay down our rights. We need to lay down our, our privileges to be treated as, as if we're better than Christ. Because Christ came and did not lay down His rights and privileges, and He was cruelly treated for the good news. And so I say, if you are humbly living for Christ and with humility sharing Christ, don't blame yourself and don't be surprised when there's pushback at the message of Christ. Now, if you're obnoxious, that's a different story, right? And we can be that. If you want to be obnoxious, you can be. I'm not so sure that's going to help, right? Because Jesus served with humility. Jesus was a strong individual, and you can be strong and not be obnoxious. Jesus was no pansy, correct? So be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the might of His Word. Know His Word. Humble yourself before God's Word. Humble yourself before God's working. And live a humble life before unbelievers. They, they will see your good conduct and they will glorify God. And tell them about Christ with humility because you once needed the gospel preached to you too. And if you'll do that, y'all not be surprised and y'all not blame yourself when there's pushback, when there's opposition to the truth. It's not you they resist, it's the truth of Christ they resist and Him crucified they resist. It's the gospel that will stir and reveal the heart of an unrepentant sinner. And you need the gospel to do that. The gospel needs to gouge them good, right? Because the, the word is like that. It's a, it's a sharp two-edged sword, right? And it's meant for piercing the soul. And so we give people the truth of the gospel and we let the gospel do its work. And we're not discouraged, but we keep making Christ known with our life, keep telling others of our hope in Christ because He's the only hope for sinners. Note that Jesus points to why we face opposition to the gospel, and sadly, the truth is that many will never believe the truth. Verse 26, but you do not believe because you are not a part of my flock. You see, for those who aren't a part of Jesus' flock, all the overwhelming evidence in the world will never be enough. But Jesus says of his flock, those God the Father has given him, in verse 27, my sheep, my sheep. Hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. You see, there are many who, who will not believe, but the opposite is of, of true of those Jesus calls my sheep. They will believe, and they will come when he calls. And this is a sweet and powerful truth. Jesus says, my sheep. They're my sheep. Do you hear that? Think about it. Jesus says, my sheep. If we're given to the Son by the Father, we are Jesus' sheep. We are Jesus' people. We're His. 
No one can change that. And, and note that those who are his know him. If you're his, you'll know him when he calls you. When you hear his voice, you will follow him. But even more important and precious is the fact that Jesus knows his sheep. Don't ever lose sight of that. Don't ever forget that Jesus knows his sheep. How important and rich is that truth of those who are Christ's people? Jesus' sheep, J.C. Ryle, explains the richness of this truth when he writes, They are his by gift from the Father, his by purchase, his by calling and choice, and his by their own consent and heart submission. In the highest sense, they are Christ's property. And just as a man feels a special interest in that which he has bought at a price and made his own, so does the Lord Jesus feel a peculiar interest in his people. And that peculiar interest, as J.C. Ryle puts it, or we might say a very special interest, we see it made very plain in verse 28, and the power of Christ's special interest is also made plain. Look at verse 28. I give them eternal life. Are those not precious words? I give them eternal life. And they will, here's more, they will never perish. And here's more, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Those given to the Son by the Father are given a precious gift, eternal life. And it means that though we may face physical death here on earth, and as long as the Lord tarries, we know we're going to face physical death here on earth, right? As we, as we break down and waste away and get older, right? These, these tents get weary. Though we face physical death here on earth, we have a heavenly home, don't we? We have an eternal, an eternal residence. And just in case you think you can lose your salvation, Jesus clears it up for us when he says, no one will snatch them out of my hand. No one. How can we know we're kept by Christ, though? I know Jesus says no one will snatch them out of my hand, but how can we know Christ will keep us? Verses 29 and 30, right? Look at them again. My Father who has given them to me is what? Greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. And by the way, I and the Father are one. I and the Father are one. For those who are a part of Jesus' flock, they are found, they are called, they are kept by Jesus. We aren't hanging on to Him, He's hanging on to us. Right? You know, we talk about clinging to Christ, it's all Christ. He clings to us. He's hanging on to us. If you've placed your trust in Christ as Lord and Savior, then you're holding on to His hand, not, not, uh, He's holding on to your hand, not yours His. That's a good thing, isn't it? Because sometimes we're weak. And if it were up to us, sometimes we'd let go and get distracted and wander off somewhere. But it's not us clinging to Christ. It's Christ who clings to us. He is never weak. He is never distracted. His heart never wanders. 
Christ will lose not one of his own. The Father has given you to the Son. Jesus has made you his own, and he keeps you. If you're God's child, you're kept by Christ. And not only does he keep you, he gives to you. Do you see what he gives to you? You are, as of one of Jesus' sheep, one of Jesus' people, you are given eternal life. It is a free gift of God so that no one can boast and claim they've earned it, right? And what a precious thing. We've been enjoying thinking about what true worship looks like in the life of a believer as we've studied together in our Sunday school hour. In just the last few weeks, we've been thinking about heaven and what precious truths we have in in God's Word to, to tell us what we have to look forward to. It will not be harps and clouds and angels. All right? Just in case you thought that might be boring. It will not be. But when you see Jesus' face, when you see Jesus' face, it'll be like the song we sing, it will be worth it all. When we see Jesus. Life's trials, they're going to seem so small. Right? Today, they're big. But you have this eternal hope because there's something he gives you. It's the free gift of God that you cannot claim you you earned on your own. It's eternal life found only in Jesus Christ. It's free because he's forgiven your sins when you trusted in him. And you are pardoned from your sins, by the way, those sins that you can't number and neither can anyone else. Jesus knows about all of them. And he forgives you for them all. The slate is clean. And you've been given the righteousness of Christ so that you're cleansed and made acceptable to the Father. And what's more, you are then showered by God with his grace and his mercy and his love. This side of heaven. He helps us endure, doesn't he? He encourages us by his spirit and word. And I would say to you, are you, are you among those who have trusted Christ for all these precious truths? I hope I pray, I trust that you're, you're sitting here saying, I'm, that's me, I, I'm, I'm his. I'm kept by Christ. If that's true of you, then never take your eyes off Christ. Keep your eyes on him this week as you live for him faithfully, telling of Christ, living for Christ. Keep your eyes on him, keep your hope in him because you are kept by him. He will not take his eyes off you. But maybe this morning you're one who, when you hear these precious promises, you want to know if you're one of Christ's people, if you're one of Christ's sheep. Is he calling me? And I would suggest that if you're here today, it's a pretty good sign he's, he's probably calling to you. Do you hear him today from the word? Because he speaks to you from his word. It's not me speaking so much that you need to listen to. It's the, the word you need to hear. It's God's word that calls you to himself. If you want to know if he's calling you by name today, and I say, do you hear him calling to you from his word? He calls to you. He calls to you from his word today. Wait no longer to come to him. Turn to Christ in faith today. Trust in him for the forgiveness of your sins and then follow him as a faithful, faithful one of Jesus' faithful sheep, because he watches out for the sheep. Us helpless sheep. The sheep are helpless. You realize that? That's why this is such a beautiful picture, a beautiful image for us that Christ gives us in 
chapter 10 of John's Gospel. When he says, when he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. That's precious news, isn't it? Those are precious truths to behold. And if you're wondering if He is calling to you, I would suggest that He is, and that today you ought to repent to God in prayer for your sins, and He will forgive you, and He will make you His own, and He will keep you. And you can follow Him. Let's bow our heads together for prayer. Our precious Heavenly Father, we thank You again as we begin. We thank You for Christ. We look for words to praise You with, and You ask for our hearts. God, I pray, make our hearts desires those that seek to honor and glorify Your name more and more as we live each day, awaiting this precious hope and promise that's ours in Christ, eternal life. And Father, just as we hear Jesus say, My sheep hear My voice, and I know them and they follow Me. Lord, help us. Help us to obey. Help us to follow. As we hear Jesus' voice and the words of Scripture, and I pray, God, for those who might be unbelievers this morning, that they hear you speaking to them from your word, and that they would repent of sin and turn to Jesus Christ in faith even now. God, help them to trust you. Then help them to obey as you keep them, because you keep your own. You're kept in Christ because you've given them to the Son, and you're greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of your hand, and all of this because of Christ. We thank you for the sacrifice for our sins. Father, I pray that you would help, help us as followers of Christ to never lose sight of this wonderful truth that without Christ we're nothing, we're hopeless, but with Christ, everything is ours. All, all hope is ours. And though we may face opposition and hardship and even ridicule this side of heaven because we love you and we, we seek to honor you with our lives and our speech, help us to bear up under it with the humility that was seen in Christ as he took the blows for our sin, as he took the cross, that we might be washed clean by his blood. Help us to honor and glorify you with our obedience as you call for our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.